Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give the Lord praise tonight. Come on, somebody give God a real praise. Anybody love Jesus Christ? Come on, somebody say hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I'm saved. My God, when I was a little boy, they used to have testimony service in the church of God in Christ. And those old mothers used to stand up and precede their testimony. And they would always say, I thank God for being saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost and fire baptized. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about tonight? I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life tonight. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here in church. Hallelujah. It's good to be back here in Denver at Lakeside Church of God. And I just honor all of you, my friends, Pastor Jason and his lovely wife and his growing family. <laughs> Summer and all of the children and, and, all, and the friendship that we have developed over the years. I'm grateful for that and the connections and all of you, you pastors who are here, guest pastors, I honor you and, um, and the work that you are doing for the kingdom of God and everyone that the Lord has called to this service tonight. I pray and trust you've had a wonderful day and I'm just grateful and honored for the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles tonight, uh, if you don't mind, turn please to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is where our text is going to be found tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7. I'm going to limit the reading, but we'll try to go through a good bit of this uh, to establish uh, what I believe the Lord has laid on our heart tonight for the service. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And God's answer to Paul was very telling. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, God says, This is the place I want you to be. I want you to depend on me. I want you to realize that you're weak. You don't just have a weakness, but you're weak. But it's when you learn who you are that my strength is made perfect in that. And this is the place that every single believer must find him or herself. And these are the trials and the uh, persecutions and the things that you and I have gone through and are currently going through. Those things are designed to bring us to the end of ourselves. But I love what he said, my grace is more than enough. I'm not going to take away the thorn, but I'm going to give you something to help you deal with it. Grace, praise the name of the Lord. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. This is a contrary to a lot of popular preaching. Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities. A lot of what we call the gospel today teaches that if we can get to a place in God that we won't have to deal with trials. But that's not what the scripture teaches. The man who wrote half the New Testament said God had to deal with him concerning the propensity and the tendency in all of us to deal with pride. And he said, now think about it, if Paul had to deal with pride, I'm sure you and I are having to deal with this same thing as well. And so tonight is going to be very personal. I think we can look in the word of God and see a mirror. 
Paul said, I take pleasure in this, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And I want to use for a subject preaching a few moments tonight, Paul's thorn in the flesh. Paul's thorn in the flesh. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. And we thank you for this opportunity and this privilege to share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask you tonight once again to help us, help us to preach, anoint us to preach, anoint the people to hear what I believe you have given us for this service, that lives will be changed forever for your glory and your glory alone. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. When we read this second letter to the church of Corinth, many theologians have called it a, a autobiography of Paul because Paul goes into personal details about his life. Paul shares his testimony. And saints, it's nothing wrong with sharing your testimony. The Brother Jason was talking about it just a little while ago. I think we ought to talk about what God has brought us from. I think we ought to tell people how God has kept us and how God has been faithful to us. Uh, there are a lot of things that you and I have, in, uh, in uh, a lot of differences I'm sure we have, uh, a lot of things that we can talk about that we'll all disagree on, but I'm sure that there is something that we all, dis that we all agree on, and that is that God has been faithful. Everybody, if I could pass this microphone around and come to that conclusion, we can complain, we can say, man, I lost this or I lost that. I've gone through this sickness or I went through losing a family member. I went through tragedy and I went through all of these things. But the one constant in my life is that God has been faithful. God has been faithful to me. And that's what Paul writes about in this second letter to the church of Corinth. And by the time you get to chapter 11, Paul goes into detail concerning some of the struggles and the battles that he went through. And I believe even as we talk about the thorn and all we can do is speculate because the Bible doesn't give us a specific thing that Paul was referring to. But I believe chapter 11 gives us great detail concerning the thorn that was in Paul's flesh. A lot of people talk about the fact that it was sin. I, I personally don't believe that, but I believe the temptation of evil is there with all of us. There is a pull. There is a temptation. So, yes, that can go under that umbrella. But I believe that it was a number of things that Paul was dealing with that he referred to as the thorn in the flesh, which was the messenger of Satan to buffet him. Can you imagine a, a nagging splinter in your hand? You, if you ever work with wood, you know what I'm talking about. And some of you can't get that stuff out, man. It just nags you and nags you. But imagine the enemy coming against you in every aspect of your life. And it's like everything you do, he's there nagging and buffeting you and poking you and hitting you. And this is what Paul was dealing with. And this is what most of us are dealing with. And Paul speaks to us, yes, from the perspective of a believer, but he's speaking to us from the perspective of an apostle, a leader in the house of God. Let me tell you something, and you know this as pastors, when you are called by God, you're not just called to preach, but you're called to lead. You're not just called to lead, but you're called to suffer. And most people want the highlight. You know what I'm talking about. People want to stand behind the pulpit and preach a sermon, but people don't really want to go through anything that will impact their life so that they can impact the life of the people who are coming to congregate in the church. Let me tell you something. I'm just going to be blunt here. I don't want to follow anybody that hasn't weathered a storm. I, I, if I follow you, I want to follow somebody like Jacob that's walking with a limp. The limp doesn't mean that Jacob is weak. The limp means that Jacob is depending on God. It doesn't mean he's a weak leader. It's just meaning that God had to touch the hollow of my thigh, and now I'm clinging on to God so that you can cling on to God. I had to suffer so that you can go through, and I could be a consolation to you and teach you how to go through the, the storms that you're facing. 
And every pastor, every apostle, everyone who is in the fivefold ministry, I'm sure we can exchange places in this pulpit tonight with you who are preachers of the gospel. And your testimony will be similar to mine in the fact that you are going through something. And you can't bring it to church. Preacher have to learn how to preach in pain. He's got to learn how to preach while he was crying in the car. And now you get in here and this, and some people say that's being fake. That's not being fake. That's trusting in the Lord. That's being real. That's saying I woke up this morning crying and hurting because of what I'm going through. Do you realize when we read about Paul, Paul is the apostle who said death seems better than living right now. Oh, see, we don't want to hear those kind of sermons. Wait a minute, my pastor wants to die? This is what Paul said. He said, death is looking a whole lot sweet. I'm going through something, man, that it's about to destroy me. I'm going through some stuff. It feels like it's about to take me out. Lord, just take me on home now. Job cursed his childhood. He cursed his birth. He cursed everything about his life. He said, God, why didn't you just let me die when I was a little boy? Why did you have to let me survive the womb? Why did you have to let me survive and now become a man and have to go through all of this? Job got so mad, he said, if I see God, I'm going to tell him to his face how I feel. And you know you're going through when you say something like that. He said, if I could just talk to him for a moment. And then he finally saw God, and God said, get up, Job. You asked for me, I'm here now. And then he starts to ask Job a series of questions. Where were you when I did all of this, what you're living in today, and when I blessed you with everything you have? Where were you, Job? Changed everything about Job. All Job could reply to God was, I'm vile. See, now... When you have an encounter with God, he has to show you who you are. See, Isaiah had an encounter with God in chapter 5 of Isaiah. He said, woe is Judah, woe is Judah, woe is Judah, woe is Judah, woe unto Judah. But by the time he gets to chapter 6, he sees the presence of God. And Isaiah said, woe is me now. Paul had this same experience. And I'm of the belief that everyone who is called by God will have this experience. You've gone through tragedy. You've gone through. And have you ever just stopped for a moment and looked back over your life? And in the moment or in the time that you were dealing with the trial, your words were, I don't see how I'm going to make it through this. I don't even see how I'm going to make it to, the, to tomorrow. And here it is 10 years later, and you look back and wonder how God brought you through that. You have to look back and say, God, at the time I was dealing with it, I didn't know how I was going to make it through it. But you were faithful to me, and your grace was sufficient, and you strengthened me in the storm. You didn't let it kill me, and God, I just want to thank you. I think we ought to just stop right now and give God praise, not for the preacher, but because you kept me. I could have lost my mind. I could have taken my own life, but Lord, you kept me, and I just want to say thank you for keeping Keeping me in the storm. Thank you, Lord. Paul said everybody's boasting. He was facing detractors. He was facing. It's one thing when you're going through at home and you're, you're going through in your children, you're going through uh, in your home or your marriage, something goes wrong or uh, you're on your job and things are going wrong. And now Paul's got to deal with false brothers. False teachers who are accusing him of being weak, of being a man who cannot preach, a man who is not called to preach. Now his entire calling has come under question. And God, the Holy Spirit, allows him to take a few moments. That's why he opens up and said, would you bear with me just a little bit in my folly? Would you allow me to talk? about some personal things. Paul said, they're boasting, these false teachers. He said, let me boast a little bit. 
But he, he comes to this, and it was intriguing because Paul did not boast about his accolades. He didn't boast about the amount of people who were following him. He didn't boast about how many people he was seeing saved or baptized in the Holy Ghost. He wasn't boasting about those things. He wasn't boasting about how great his prayer life was or how great his study hours were. Paul said, if I'm going to glory, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in my infirmities. Man, that was intriguing because uh, the people who were hearing these false brothers, they were hearing people preach about their accomplishments. They were used to hearing people preach about how they had arrived. And this is what oftentimes in the body of Christ, I heard, I was listening to a sermon, and I won't uh, obviously call names, and the brother preached for 50 minutes, 50 minutes about how rich he was about how much his furniture costs, about how much uh, he paid for uh, a, a table and, and furniture and, and a dog. And, and, and he was preaching and he was trying to prove from Scripture how rich Jesus was. All of the accomplishments he had. He talked about how he flew in and on first class. And I really didn't. He talked about his private jet. And he preached a sermon about him and his accomplishments. And then he gets to the end of the sermon and talks about how God blessed him with it all. I've heard many sermons like that. But the sermon that Paul preached to the church of Corinth was a sermon that Paul, and I want to take a few moments if you don't mind, and I want to read what Paul said. Paul said in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak, howbeit wherensoever any is bold. He said, I speak foolishly, I'm bold also. He said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. He said, are they ministers of Christ? And then he says it again, I speak as a fool. He said, I am more in labors abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in death often. In other words, Paul said, I was within inches of my life many times just to share the, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I was shipwrecked. At night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the heathen, perils in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, and perils of He said, everywhere I went, death was on every hand. He said, everywhere I turned around, it was as though I was about to die. He said, do you really want to hear me boast? I'm going to boast in the things that I have gone through. If you really want to hear me boast, I'm going to boast in the fact that I was shipwrecked three times. Who boasts in things like that? He said, weariness, painfulness, watching often, and hunger, and thirst, fasting. He said, I was cold, naked. He said, and besides all of the physical things that I was going through, he said, I had the care of all the churches. He said, the brothers who were weak, I had to take time out with them to counsel them to talk to them, to try to minister to them through the word how to get through the situation they were facing. He said then that, he said upon top of that, he said there were people, that he said then I have to deal with failure in the church. See, some of us say, I can pastor the church. I can be this person or I can be that person or I 
can handle this. And that's why it's so important that we, it doesn't mean you're insignificant, insignificant because you're not a preacher or a pastor. It just means that's not the calling. You are just as important. You are vital to the work of God. But we've got to learn to stay where God puts us and not get so ambitious and say, I can do that. But listen, when you take on the responsibility of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, get ready to go through trouble on every hand. He said people are failing. Look at what he said. He said, who is weak? Am I not weak? He said, who is offended? And I, in other words, I was so troubled when people were going through failure. He said, this stuff affects me because I'm not just here to gather a check. He told the church of Corinth that. He said, I'm not here for your money. And let me tell you, we're not here for your money. I know that people out there are saying, all preachers want is your hard-earned money. No, true preachers want you to surrender to Christ and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not here to get rich. Paul said, God took care of me. See, when you're taking care of his business, he'll take care of yours. And I'm so glad God takes care of us. I'm so glad that when there's a need, God steps in and meets the need because he's a great God. He told him, he said, I'm suffering on every hand, externally and internally, physically emotionally, and then not to mention your own spiritual struggles. Not the preacher. Yeah, the preacher is a Christian first. And we get all shocked when we see a little flesh in the preacher. Just get over it because we see flesh in you. Can we be honest in here tonight? We'll come to church watching. See, I told y'all. Flesh everywhere, in the pulpit, on the praise ensemble, the musicians, in the pew. It's flesh everywhere. That's why he's telling you and me, I allowed the thorn. I allowed it because I want to get you to a place of depending on me. That's why I allowed it. I didn't allow this thing that you're going through to destroy you. But you're going to have to go through something. I, I, shared, I share this everywhere I go. I share it with our church Sunday. I think about often uh, Bishop Darrell Hines in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A young man walked to the altar. And he told Bishop Hines, he said, listen. He said, I want you to pray for me. And I want you to impart your anointing on me. I want you to give me the anointing that you have. Bishop Hines told him, he said, young man, I don't have an anointing to give you. He said, I want your anointing. Young man, I don't have. And he was demanding. So he told the young man, he said, lift your hands up. True story. Young man lift his hands up. Bishop Hines laid hands on him. And he said, Father, I pray for this young man. I pray that he knows what hunger feels like. I pray that he goes through sickness. I pray that he goes through a season of not knowing how he's going to pay his bills. He said, I pray that he's struck by lightning and killed. And by the time he got to that point, the young man stopped him. He said, what are you doing? Why are you praying over my life like that? He said, you, you, you told me you wanted my anointing. He said, well, these are some of the things that I had to go through. See, Daryl Hines was literally struck by lightning and left for dead. And at that time in his life, he didn't even believe women could preach the gospel. He had, and see, where I'm from in the church of God in Christ, we looked at Baptist folk as though they weren't saved. And he was a church of God in Christ bishop. And pr praise God, he said when he got struck by lightning, a Baptist woman came and laid hands on him. And God touched him. And God, his mother was dancing in the hospital and shouting. And the doctor said, why are you doing this? He's going to die. And if he survives, he'll be a vegetable.
vegetable for the rest of his life. I come to tell you, he is a bishop in the church of God in Christ, singing the gospel and still preaching the gospel because God kept him. If you want the anointing, get ready for the crushing. You want the all, you've got to be crushed for it. When you really understand the Bible and you start going through stuff, you'll start praising God when they call and said the eviction notice is on your door. You'll hang up the phone and say, hallelujah, Lord, you counted me worthy to suffer. I'm not glad that I lost my house, but I'm glad you used the situation to wake me up and to get me closer to you. People going to think we crazy. They over there at Lakeside praising God for trials. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane several times. He kept falling down and, Father, if, if you would, remove this cup from me. Just take it away. It's too much. He kept praying. And if you go back and study it out, God couldn't do it. I know we think, you know, we talk about it, and he is. God God answers prayers. He does. But he doesn't always give us the answer we want. And that's why we got to be careful when we pray, because there can be some things that we want so bad and some people we want. You, we're dating and we're, we're involved, whatever it may be. And that man looks so good to you or that woman looks so good to you and you convince yourself this is the will of God. Did you really pray it through? Because you've been with them and all you've gone through is suffering and trial. Did you really pray it through or was it something you wanted? And God gave you answer after answer, but it just wasn't the answer you wanted. I was playing football in college and and I honestly, I pray, you know, we get deep religiously. I know some of y'all not going to tell the truth. We'll say, I'm praying for you, or I prayed about it, when in reality, we told God about it. You didn't ask him. You just said, Lord, I want to play football. That's what I did. And I, and I went through, and many times, I'll be honest with you, I can look back on it now. I'm 40. And back then, I was just getting saved, and I was playing college football, and, and I had aspirations and dreams just like any other young man playing football. I had recruits just like any other, six, four and a half, six, five, 260-pound defensive end. Oh, yeah, the recruits were coming. But there was one thing that was out of sorts, and that was I did not have the mind of God. I kept praying and kept asking and kept telling him. And every door kept shutting. And God told me, he said, I don't want you to play. I want you to preach the gospel. I just, I said, I can't give up football. This is the dream. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. And I went to church. And I'm so, for tonight I will always be grateful for the Pentecostal church. The preaching of the gospel under the leading of the Holy Ghost. When you, when you sit under a Pentecostal preacher who is full of the Holy Ghost, you will get so mad in church sometimes, you will think people have told him your business. <laughs> Pastor, you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever got mad at you and said, who told you? That's the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit will get in your business. And he'll come and preach a sermon. And what got me was... The pastor came to church, Pastor James Verdell, i never forget it, my church that I got saved in. He, he came to church prepared to preach another message. And God changed it a few moments before he took the pulpit. And he preached 45 minutes to me. But at the time, he didn't know it. He preached about Jacob, and that's why that story has always been so personal. I've always told him this. That message... And that sermon didn't just change my life, but it saved my life. It saved me from me. And the road that I was trying to force God to let me go down. 
preached about surrendering to God, preached about, and he even got so into the message, he, he talked about it. He said, he said, God didn't allow you, and I will never forget it. He said, God didn't call you to go down that road. He said, down that road you're trying to go. He said, you don't see it, but six to eight weeks or six to eight years, there could be a knife fight because you went down the wrong road. And you ended up getting killed because you were determined to do it. If you don't believe that can happen, ask Jacob. Jacob was determined to go to another city that God didn't tell him to go to. He went anyway, and his daughter, she went through tragedy because her father was out of the will of God. When you're out of the will of God, it doesn't just affect you. It affects other people around you. Let me tell you something. I just want to say it tonight that we've got to depend on God. And I'm so grateful that message was preached. I got on the altar that day, and I'll never forget it. I prayed and prayed. God gave me such a peace. And that day he said, Tori, you've got to give up football, and you've got to preach the gospel. Let me tell you something. I have zero regrets from seeing a soul walk down to the altar and saying, Jesus, save me. I have zero regrets. People, do you regret? I don't regret it because... Because I'm in the will of God now. It hurt. But it was necessary. And what you're dealing with tonight may hurt. But it's necessary. For what God has called you to do. It's necessary. You've got to go through this. You've got to deal with this. Paul said, I ain't even got to. That's, that was my introduction. Y'all give me a few more moments. I'm dead serious. I, I didn't mean to go into all that. He said, I've seen so much. So many revelations were given to me. You imagine be, having a vision. Paul said, I don't know if it was literal or was a vision. If you read the opening of chapter 12, he said, but I was caught up in the third heaven. He said, I saw so many wonderful things, things that I can't even speak of. He said, it was just so many revelations that God gave me. He said, and because of all of this, through the abundance of revelation that was also given to me a thorn in the flesh, God gave me revelation, God gave me a thorn, and God gave me grace. God, why did you have to do it like that? We want the revelation and we want the grace, but we don't want the thorn. But with the revelation, there's coming a thorn. Because if we don't have the thorn, we'll get so lifted up in pride and people will exalt us and we'll start feeding off all of the pats on the back. We'll start feeding. Listen, it's not in the moments where people are patting you on the back that God has given you the revelation, Moses. It's on the backside of the desert. You were in the palace with the air and everything. But when you got on the backside of the desert, now God can spend some alone time with you. Jacob was left alone and then there came a man and wrestled with him and changed his name from Jacob to Israel it's John the beloved was alone on the Isle of Patmos and then God opened up to him the beautiful eschatological dealings God is going to have with the church and with Israel sometimes you are going to have to be alone in the wilderness Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Revelation was given. The thorn was given. Paul prayed, which we should do. And all of a sudden, God said, I'm going to give you my goodness, but I'm not taking the thorn away. I'm going to give you enabling grace which is undeserved, un unearned, but you need it to go through what you're dealing with. Because on the other side of this, there are people who are going to get saved and delivered and touched by the power of God on the other side of what you're going through, saying that's why the storm came. You just got to get through it with him. Because there is, as the Bible says, and it came to pass. It's going to pass. And as it passes, guess what he's doing? He's stripping away you. He's the refiner. He's moving the impurities. 
And it takes heat. It takes trouble. It takes pressure. I was in a furniture factory, and they were showing us how they built the furniture. And he told us, he said, before we put the furniture on the showroom floor, we've got to pressurize it. We've got to test it so big folks like me can sit on it. He said, we're not just going to put it on the floor so it can look good. He said, we need to know it's going to hold you up when you sit on it. So we put so many pounds of pressure on it, and we keep testing it over and over and over again. You see the finished product, and it looks beautiful when you walk into Ashley Furniture or wherever you go, or you're searching online. Some of y'all women been on Wayfair today, ain't you? You've been nagging your husband, honey, I think this is the one. I saw y'all dropping your head. But you see the finished product. But it's so much more beautiful when you watch the process. And that's what we're in right now. We're in that process. And Paul said, that was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. And then he said, I prayed several times and God spoke to me and said, my grace is sufficient and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response to God was, you know what? I'm going to shout here. I'm going to rejoice right here. I'm just going to go ahead and praise him right here. You mean to tell me that your strength is made perfect in my weakness? That you're giving me grace? The, the thorn will be okay because now I got someone who's going to help me through this who can overcome this. I can't overcome it on my own, but his grace is sufficient for me. You can't overcome that heartache and that tragedy and that horror that you're going through, but his grace is sufficient for you. So listen, go ahead and praise him for the thorn. Go ahead and shout for this thorn. And then he said this. He said, listen, I take pleasure in my infirmities. I'm going to glory in my infirmities. While they glory in their money and their cars and their boasting and the size of their building and the number of people they have, we're going to glory in our infirmities because we're trying to reach the wall, not with a money message, but with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're trying to tell the drug addict, Jesus saves. We want to tell the alcoholic, Jesus saves. We want to tell the homosexual, Jesus saves. We're here to preach. We're not here to shout. We're not here to be seen. We're here to tell you who Jesus Christ is and what he did 2,000 years ago at the cross. Would you stand to your feet all over the house of God? Singers and musicians, you can come. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Somebody give God praise in here tonight. You're going through. I know it's hurting. I know you're struggling. But I'm going to glory in my infirmities. I'm going to glory in what I'm going through. I'm going to rejoice in this trial. I'm going to rejoice in this situation because God is faithful. And I know he wants to bring me to the end of myself and to the place of depending on him. Can y'all sing that old song, I Surrender All, if y'all don't mind? If y'all know that song, can you sing that? And if you're here as they sing that song tonight... You're going through a trial and you need prayer for strength. Or you're not saved and you need Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. And believers are praying if you don't mind. You're here tonight and you don't know where you're going next. You're hurting and that's all you know. You're hurting. I just came to tell you that there is one who can take away the pain. He can take away the humiliation and the embarrassment and the things that you've even done to yourself. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm going to ask you right now to come around this altar. We just want to pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to pray for you. Brother, I need to be saved. Or if you're here tonight, you're a believer. You're going through and you need strength. You need prayer. As they sing tonight, I want you to come around this altar and let's just lift that problem up before the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Come on. Just worship him. Just worship him. I believe there are others who need a touch from the Lord. Come on.
If you need a touch, brother, I've gone through tragedy. I've gone through heartache. I've gone through pain. I need a touch from the master tonight. Come and begin to surrender all of those problems. Come on tonight, lift it up. I surrender. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, touch my sister tonight. In the name of Bless him tonight. You can still come. You can still come. Oh, bless God tonight. I surrender everything to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Somebody give God praise tonight. Hallelujah. Come on. He hasn't left you. No matter what, he hasn't left you. You may feel as though you're alone, but the Lord is still with you. He's still on your side tonight. Oh, just worship him for just a few more moments tonight. We're not in a hurry. Just worship him. Give that problem to the Lord tonight, that need. promise you I've been in the rivers and they're five feet nine and 15 sixteenths of an inch deep but it never overtook me and I don't know where you find yourself tonight but I can tell you right now if you'll take the mask off and you'll quit playing games and you'll quit acting like everything's all right and you'll come to him and you say you know what Lord I am vile I am wretched I am undone I'm tired of pretending I'm tired of playing games. God, I need you more than I've ever needed you this day right here, right now. Because I want to tell you right now, you're going to face it. Goliath's going to come your way. And I promise you, you can't handle him on your own. You need to surrender to him. I don't ever do this, but I'm telling you, he's here to meet you where you are. But you need to come to him. Submit yourself to him. Surrender to him. I've been a lot of you telling the devil no for years. But the Bible tells us if you'll submit yourself therefore unto God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You've been doing it backwards. Surrender. Submit yourself tonight. Right here, right now. Leave this place changed. Leave this place free. Leave this place walking in victory and quit just talking about it. Come tonight and surrender to Him as they sing.
not very easy to praise and shout your way during the storm, the trouble, the trial. And if, if we're all honest, we are either in one, we came out of one, or we're heading into one. And I know that don't make you just want to run around this church, but I'm telling you, praise Him anyway. Because it is necessary. And I thank God that, that He is faithful through it all. Thank God for your obedience. That you didn't just come to preach the house down, but you come to preach what the Lord laid on your heart. Because we all need it. We all need to understand we're real. It's real. Johnny, it's, it's real. People, people see the finished product, but they don't want the they don't want to go through it. But I'm telling you, it's just stay the course, keep praising, keep rejoicing anyway. And it'll happen. I was telling Torrance today at lunch, a great friend of mine growing up every day or every Sunday at church, he'd say, pray for my daddy to be saved. And, and it was about almost 20 years later, his dad did come to Christ and he, he came to know him as his Lord and Savior, one of the most humble men I've ever met. And I know now, and I, and I thank God for the faithfulness, but it was during those trials and troubles and him not knowing where his dad was going to end up. Same thing with my mom. My mom prayed for her, her, her dad for 26 years and he, he come to know Christ. So even in the trials, even in the storms, even in the troubled times, don't stop. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. We love you guys. Uh, if, you, if you don't have a home church, you can.